this one might hurt. The, uh, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm Frank Gaps. I cover the Wizards for The Athletic, and uh, I'm the host of Wizards After Dark, and I'm doing this after a Wizards loss, 116-110 to Charlotte. That, oh, wow, that you just heard to start it off was... Uh, my guest, Candace Buckner from the Washington Post, pointing out that the attendance on tonight's score sheet says 19,520. Uh, it was most definitely not 19,520. So what we would do in journalism, in our stories, we would say an announced crowd of 19,520, which seemed a bit smaller. In uh, real life, in our stories, we say a BS crowd of 19,520. And so many stickers they sold. I guess that's how they... That's, yeah. That's how they... I don't know. It's, it's, it's sold tickets, I guess. That's what they say. It's like... For Hornets game? Late in the season? For Hornets game. It's so weird. Are that many... How many people do you think were actually here tonight? Okay, so if they said... Was it Monday? It was Monday. It was 15,000 people, and it was not 15,000 people. Um, I would probably say closer to 15,000. Uh, yeah, I was going to guess like 12. Oh, okay. You know, I didn't pay too much attention to the crowd. I just know it was late arriving. As yeah, you it's always late arriving. Always late arriving, but, you know, it just seems like... No, it doesn't seem like it. No, it's just... It's, <laughs> I was going to say, because, because it's late in the season and the team is... In a quote unquote playoff hunt, that you would think there would be just a little bit more excitement, but nah. No. No. Well, they lost 116 to 110 in a game that, uh, for their playoff hopes, they certainly needed. They're behind Charlotte. Uh, They were four back in the loss column with Miami coming into today. Miami and Milwaukee, at the time of us recording this, it's around 10.20 right now on uh, whatever night it is. I don't know. I lose track of the days. Friday night? Friday night. Oh, God. I have such a sad life. It's Friday night, and I'm locked up in a little room in an arena podcasting. I don't even know it's Friday night. We're talking about, uh, we're talking about attendance figures. Yeah. And <laughs> if Miami won, let's see. Uh, Miami was up 20. Milwaukee came back. Yeah, the Bucks are going to win this one. Okay. So you, you lose, you lose, you lose an opportunity to gain ground on the Miami Heat. Right. And I don't know the the Wizards' magic number. I probably need to figure this out. But um, they're still going to be four games behind behind Miami. But I guess um, if in the very present picture, if they if by chance they they end in a season tie with the Hornets, the Hornets make it because they won the season series. So this game was important in that sense. And. Um, they're just going to have to leapfrog three teams, which with 13 games remaining, uh, yeah. Yeah, not not the best. You know, tomorrow tomorrow is a huge game when they play the Grizzlies because the Grizzlies are one up, and I'm putting up in air quotes, are one up on Washington in lottery positioning. Okay. The Grizzlies have 41 losses. The Wizards are now 29 and 40. The Wizards are now tied with New Orleans in the loss column. And uh, Dallas and Memphis, I believe, both have 41 losses. Wizards could legitimately have top six. They could have the sixth best lottery positioning. That's totally realistic. They're only one back in the loss column for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they beat, or if they should I say, if they lose to Memphis tomorrow, like if they beat them like 90 to 102, now we're just going scores backwards <laughs> and saying beat them, then... Uh, you know, that's that's something. And Memphis is trying to win because Memphis owes a top eight protected 
first round draft pick to Boston, and they don't want that pick to convey. So, look, I am. I mean, I think the Wizards are going to keep trying to win because look, Bradley Beal played the entire second half tonight, played 45 minutes, and we got to talk about Beal. But like, yeah. you don't need to talk to people around the organization to know that the Wizards want to win. Just like look at the way that they're running Bradley Beal, who leads the league in minutes. And I don't need to double check if he leads the league in minutes after playing 45 tonight and all 24 in the second half. Like, look at the way they're using Bradley Beal. And again, they were losing by double digits for most of the way, you know? Yeah, this is not stealth tanking. tanking. This is all out. We want the eighth seed at all costs. And it's, to me, the, the, the rationale, yeah, you want to have a winning program. You want to, you know, I guess have that streak. And they can always say, oh, we're one of the few teams in the Eastern Conference who have made – Four out of the five, four out of five, or five out of six, or seven of the last eight playoffs. That's you know that that does show um, some continuity. It shows some continuity with, with the with the franchise. However, considering when you look at the future and that John Wall, um, and we're just being conservative here, we'll miss the majority of next year. Uh, who knows what the roster will look like next uh, come July? Who knows? Um, they, you know, how Dwight Howard can very well pick up his option. Who knows what Howard is coming back? So you have a Bradley Bill entering, a two-time All-Star entering his prime. It's time to really start, and he has two years left on his uh, contract. It's time to really start looking at what can we bring in to not only complement but possibly to start building a new core. Yeah, there's also, um, i.e., lottery pick. Yeah, exactly. I, you you know, didn't I, know what I was talking about. You, if you t- the Wizards are, and I know because you just said it, like, the Wizards like that they have that streak, right? Whatever it is, four yeah. to five seasons, it'll be five out of six if it's they make it. For sure. And you know what? I don't get it. And, and the reasoning is because, like, context matters. Like, NBA fans are smarter than they used to be. And obviously anybody who's a big enough fan or works in the league or is a player knows the context of this. And the fact that the Wizards gun for the playoffs has become like somewhat of a thing. It's a thing that people make snarky remarks about now, right? right. So like making the playoffs is like if, if they put out there, yeah, we made the playoffs five out of six years. At this point, like you're educated basketball fan, which means literally anybody actually associated with the NBA. Like it's not going to help you get players or anything like that. No. And it's not going to help you. I don't think get bring season, people into the building. Yeah, season ticket. Right. Oh, well, I'm seeing a team that's made. Right. Five of the last because anybody who has any knowledge of this team makes a snarky remark about. Oh, well, of course they made the playoffs. They were the only team in the bottom eight actually trying to make the playoffs. You know, like it's which they aren't the only one. I guess Charlotte is too. Charlotte they just really lost to tonight. Yeah. Charlotte really wants it, but like. You know, it's just like they open themselves up to that criticism. So I, I don't, I don't get that part of it. You know, I, I I get the part where you want to keep winning because like Brad wants to keep winning, and if you feel like you want to appease Brad, then I get that. But it's like, is playing Brad forty five minutes appeasing? Brad, like he looked gassed at the end of the game, and, and frustrated. He gets. Um, this reminded me of the first game. Was it the first game after the break? Yeah, he, like he scored forty six points or something ridiculous. It was one of mm-hmm. the games in Charlotte. Yeah, first game after the break. Yeah, scoring forty six points in a losing effort and just 
crazy frustrated. One of the games in Charlotte, it was either that one. It was the first one after the break. Just yeah. very upset because um, obviously he's trying his hardest. He's, he's a competitor. And, um, you know, at the heat of the moment, um, tight game, and uh, foul gets called against him. I'm even talking about tonight. Um, that jump ball, he was uh, he was mad that, you know, Marvin Williams um, uh, grabbed the jump ball. Or, or force a jump ball. They get the ball back and hit a three, but he's also, but in the next possession, he's called on a foul for Jeremy Lamb, and he really blows his gasket when he tries to get a jump ball and Hornet, the Hornets get a um, Hornets get a, a timeout. This is, you know, about a minute or and some change remaining in the game in which you're down by six. You have a chance, but still, why is why is your best player logging nine minutes more than anybody else on on the team, and of course the answer well, he's our best player. But when are we going to start thinking about this season? Like, just let's put this season. When are we when are when are we going to start thinking about May, June, July, and maybe even twenty uh, twenty? Like, when 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 does the future become like the thing instead of a, a, a thirty seven win season? Like even if they win and they make it to the playoffs, they're still a losing. It's a, it's a losing campaign. Yeah. How about the immediate future? How about like the next twenty four hours? They play tomorrow. Yeah. Like yeah. you're doing it on the first end of a back to back. And Beal, by the way, had forty points, fifteen to twenty nine shooting. He's made seven threes, tied a career high, five assists, five boards, five and turnovers, five turnovers. But like he handled the ball so much, and they were terrible with turnovers in the first half. Just, yeah. just awful. But like. You're right. It was. I was thinking the exact same thing. Like this was so similar to what happened in that game in Charlotte when he went for 46, and they were losing that whole game. I think they lost that game by 13 points. This game they lose by six, but like they were down 21. They cut it to five, and then Charlotte ends the first half on an 8-0 run and lose by 13 at the half. And then Charlotte lengthens the lead to, like, high teens or something like that in the fourth quarter, and right. Washington trickles its way back, and it kind of feels like, oh, maybe if they hit a bucket or two on their next possessions and get a couple stops, then they're back in it. But they're never quite back in it, even though they lost by six, you know? And it's like you're running him out there constantly, and he is just dragging this team, and they still can't beat a team that's seven or eight games under five hundred. Right. And look, I've said this many times, like, for the most part, like, Trevor Ariza didn't make his shots tonight and hasn't really made his shots this year, but he's been he's been solid in other ways. Bobby Portis didn't make his shots tonight, but that's kind of who Bobby Portis is. He has nights where he blows up and goes for 25, and he has nights where he's cold. And it's like, for the most part, like, is there anybody on this team who you look at and you're like, man, they're really not playing up to their capability, or they're really not trying hard? Like, Bobby Portis isn't a isn't a defender. Thomas Bryant isn't a defender, but they try hard. And I think like, you're getting, like, um, you're getting cherries from Jabari Parker because you didn't expect mm-hmm. this. No. In that trade, and they're like, oh, yeah, we're getting two 23-year-olds. And, but, you know, Jabari came with so many question marks and so many X's against him already in four years. Uh, maybe not to his, maybe not all his fault because of the injuries in, in Milwaukee, but they did not know they were getting a double-double, nightly double-double guy, or a guy yeah. who could come off the bench and give you 20 and 10. Um, tonight, it was 17 and 11. But, yeah, I, I would say he's playing up. Troy Brown, you didn't know what you were going to get from Troy Brown. He's playing up 10 points, impacting the game, 8 rebounds. Um, so, 
I don't know. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's my point. My point is that like pretty much everybody is playing, doing like what they're supposed to do or better. Yeah. And. Yeah. And so it's not anybody's fault. Like, you can only do what you're supposed to do as a player. Like, Thomas Sadoransky is a good NBA player. But if he's your second best player, that team is... You think Thomas Sadoransky is the second best player? I don't know. Someone's got to be their second best player. Who's their second best player? I... That's, that's honestly a good question. Who is the Wizards' second best player? I wanted to say in January, I would have nominated Jeff Green. But, um... Since January, there's been some games, especially um, early on in March, where it doesn't look like he's connected. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean that's just, and that's not just in the fact that you know he finishes the game 34 minutes and pulls down two rebounds. He never boxes out. Never. That is, he seems as though. Yeah, I was. He he actually did go to the go to the paint a couple of times. I think we had this conversation that Jeff. Real, as 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 strong as he is, kind of built like an Adonis, he doesn't really like contact. Yeah. So for him to to be, but he's your four, he's your starting four. So no matter how new and and unicorn like this NBA is, somebody in your front court has to get your rebounds, and your starting four brings you two. E. Yeah, I mean he. It, it's not even his individual rebounds. It's like he doesn't clear other dudes out. A lot of times when when guys are just getting like those those plays where it's like four straight tip ins against the Wizards, which we see like twice a game. It's yeah. like Jeff Green down there just kinda of standing, waiting for a rebound to come to him. He's not going up and getting it, he's not boxing somebody out on the boards and it's like often he's he's a culprit there. But it's like that's just kinda of who Jeff Green right. has always been. And if Jeff Green is so okay. My point is exactly the same, but let's fill in Jeff Green for Thomas Sadoransky then. Like, if Jeff Green, the reason why Jeff Green worked well at the beginning of the year, and why like I wrote a whole thing on Jeff Green, you have to reshape or reframe how you talk about Jeff Green. Right. His team is because Jeff Green was on a minimum deal. He was a bench player. Yeah. He was yeah. shooting thirty eight percent from three or whatever he was at at the time, and he's close to that now. And like he was doing all this as, like, an eighth man. And when you have an eighth man who's on a minimum deal, shooting 38 from three and scoring efficiently, and he's still doing that, and it's, like... You're very efficient. That's that, then that's really good. Like, that's that's a really solid player to have, even if he doesn't rebound and he looks disinterested defensively at times, like, doesn't run back on offense. Like, that's that's yeah. that's okay. Um, like, that's okay if that's your eighth guy. But... What you just described him as your second best player. In January. Right. You're gonna you're gonna but like who is it? I mean the honestly the last two weeks it's been Jabari. Yeah. Uh but like I don't know if he's gonna keep up at this level because he's been quite good. And even if Jabari's your second best, it's like, you know, this is just a team that you're going you're gonna struggle if that's if that's the situation you're in and you know, there's there's a thing with pitchers in baseball. Not, are you a baseball fan? You're not baseball. You don't like baseball, right? No, um, I mean the, the Cardinals. I'll follow them if they're if I'm bored and they're on ESPN. So like, there's a there's a concept with pitchers in baseball that people talk about, that pitchers talk about, in that like, if you throw a hundred pitches over eight innings and you give up two hits, you throw a lot of fastballs, you throw a lot of strikes, it feels totally different than if you throw a hundred pitches over five innings 
and you're having to work out of jams and they're high stress, high leverage innings. Like your arm feels different. Physically, you feel different. It's just so much less smooth of an experience, even though it's the same number of pitches. Yeah. I feel like Bradley Beal is throwing these high leverage, high stress pitches right now. Like he's not playing 45. And, and look, it's rare that you're going to play 45 in a game that's like an easy blowout because, like, yeah. whatever. But, like, Chase Hughes wrote a really interesting piece about, like, he leads the league in distance travel per game. You know, like, wow. he's he's playing – he's running all over the place. He's now trying to – he said the other day he's trying to go at the rim more, and he is, but, like, he's drawing more contact. He's getting knocked to the floor all the time. Like, he's having to drag these dudes up and down the floor, and it's nobody else's – faults that he's having to do that like I said these guys are doing what they can do but like it's got to be exhausting for him and he missed time early in his career because of overusage everybody says it was because of overusage he said it Drew Hanlon has told me that like everybody said the Wizards acknowledge that everybody says it it's like well he leads the league in minutes like come on and Let's not turn him into Lou all down. It's interesting no it's <laughs> it's interesting that I think it was sometime in Charlotte when uh, he told it was one of these road games, and, and you asked him about minutes, and you said, you know, and he and he actually surprised me when he when he responded that, yeah, I didn't like that Brad played 38 today, and I have to stop, I have to you know do something about that. Now it's back to the old Scott Brooks, and something that he has said since he's been here, he pays more attention to load and not game minutes. And today at pregame, he was saying, a guy plays 42 minutes. I'm, sh- I'm shrugging my arms because um, that's basically his his uh, his take on it. If a guy is playing 42 minutes of basketball, he's okay with that. But as long as they're watching his load, and in, yesterday they had their practice slash shoot around, and Bradley basically did nothing. So that's how they that's how they're preserving Brad. But still, to me, as an outsider who obviously is not as smart as an NBA coach. The, the pressure of these 42 minutes of basketball, which, yeah, it's 42 minutes of basketball. That's great. You also have timeouts. You have halftime. But this is a lot of work. He's he's throwing himself on the floor for jump balls. He's going to the rim and getting knocked to the stanchion. He fell into um, base courtside fans today, and there was no fan at that seat. So his back just hit the chair, got right back up. But those are hits that he's taking in these 45 minutes. It's not just free-flowing basketball. It's not It's not all-star game 45 minutes. This is – and he's the man. He's getting all the attention. He's getting all the defensive attention. The scouting report is Bradley Bill. This is, this, is, this is taxing. Whether he takes Thursday off, Tuesday off, he, whether he goes – he comes to the uh, arena – um, and he, he took all of Saturday morning off, and they all will because it's a back-to-back, but this is a lot. This is physically taxing, and you, I, you just cannot con- convince me that this is okay. Yeah. In 45 minutes, a night even if, okay. he, even if he sit, they don't practice much, they don't shoot around much, but even if he just sits out all that stuff, you can still eliminate it by just playing him like, 35. And you know how long it takes your body to recover? I mean, they should be used to it, and, and I'm sure Bradley's in tip-top shape, but the the body doesn't recover just like a snap of that. Like, you take Thursday off. Oh, now now I'm back to 100%. Right. No, you're, you're, the season is wearing you down, and you may get – you may he may be at 70%. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm making that percentage up. He may be at 70%, 70, and then Thursday you get that rest. Maybe you take up a little bit too. 
71 and a half, and now he's back down to 68. So, and now you have less than 24 hours to, to get ready for the next game. The load management thing, I, I, I get that NBA teams don't practice and they protect their stars, but this is a lot of dang minutes. It's a lot. For a team that's not promised a playoff spot. It's a lot. Uh, I'm sure all of my listeners are familiar with your work. Do you have anything big coming up you want to plug? I think I would tell you, my competition. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, I, I'm going to be writing a whole lot about Bradleyville as a, as a season. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. We got 12 games left. Is it 12 or 13? We got 13 games left. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's essentially 12 games because it's it's basically Saturday night. It's there basically Saturday. Yeah, they, tomorrow's game is basically over. That's basically how this works. We don't even show up. <laughs> That that can be your lead for the next gamer. Um, all right, I will be back tomorrow night. Thirteen threes he took. There are, by the way, there what? There two and eleven now on the first nights of back to backs. Yeah. And they're eight and four on the second nights of back to backs. Just the weirdest thing ever. It makes absolutely no sense. Right. Uh, but I love that stat. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow night. With another episode, subscribe to Wizards After Dark. Uh, give us five stars on iTunes. Leave a review. Be really nice when you leave a review. Be very complimentary. Don't take out your Wizards frustrations on me. <laughs> I promise. I'm only responsible for some of them, not all of them. Uh, but I'll be back tomorrow night, and uh, I'll talk to you guys then.